0: You're listening to Perpetual Traffic. Hello, and welcome to the Perpetual Traffic Podcast. This is Ralph Burns, your host, and this is episode 224. I still can't believe it's 224 episodes we've been doing this. And uh, this week is a really special episode, and one that we've wanted to do for quite some time now. I Me, mean, sort of selfishly, as the owner of the Tier 11. Facebook and Instagram ad agency is to have one of our people from the tier 11 agency on the show. And no one is more qualified to talk about Facebook ads and what's cool and what's going on now and all the cool stuff that's happening inside tier 11 than our director of media buying itself, our minister of media, as we like to refer to her, none other than Angela Ponsford. Angela, welcome to Perpetual Traffic. I believe this is your second time on the show, but probably your first time solo. So welcome.
1: Thanks, Ralph. Yes, it is my second time on the show, but first time just me and you.
0: Yeah. So today we're going to be getting into some pretty cool stuff and make this an ongoing, what we think will be an ongoing, of course, things always change here, perpetual traffic, but what we think will be an ongoing sort of a series that we go into specific things that we're doing inside Tier 11. The Tier 11 agency is an agency that's running just about $100 million a year in Facebook ads. And tell you exactly what we're doing, like what kind of things we're testing, like what things we're working on right now. So you stay on the cutting edge. And we're really, really thankful to have the relationship that we have with Facebook. In fact, I'm actually recording here from a very cool hotel in the Upper West Side of New York after visiting Facebook here today, this morning with one of our ads managers, none other than Ben Pang, who uh, took him out to lunch. And I ate half his meal, by the way. (laughs) Um, yeah, they served me his meal at lunch and I just started eating it. And unfortunately, Ben went away hungry. No, actually we then split, (laughs) split it. He didn't, (laughs) he didn't go hungry. But anyway, so Ben was here because he's in the New York City area and we're considered as tier 11, a New York City area agency, believe it or not. So tier 11 or Antares Enterprises, which is a parent company is based in Massachusetts. So we're sort of around the New York area. So we get invited to these events and this one, this morning we were really fortunate enough to get an invite to was all about artificial intelligence and what's going on with the Facebook AI, which is really just a complex way of saying, like, what's happening with the algorithm in the auction? Is kind of the way that I looked at it, but nonetheless, really good information here. And one of the things that we ended up speaking with some of the marketing science folks afterwards, as well as our awesome partner manager, Sarah, after the event, was what we're going to be discussing here on today's show. And that's one of the reasons why I wanted to bring Angela on, because we, as you might have known, we had mentioned this in the last episode or two, we had a team meeting in London, England a couple of weeks ago. Rented a really cool Airbnb, like what was it on the market for? Like five million pounds yeah, or something
1: like that? Five million pounds, a beautiful townhouse in Chelsea.
0: Yeah, yeah. Pretty swank little place for our tier 11 meetup. One of the reasons why we were all there is that we do quarterly leadership meetings between Angela and myself and our VP of Ops. But also we brought in our senior media buying team. And some of the people who are the most seasoned people run millions of dollars in Facebook ads through tier 11 ad accounts to figure out a testing methodology for all of us. So we've talked about testing here on Perpetual Traffic many, many times. But the odd thing about testing is that there's lots of different ways to do it, right, Angela? And we yeah. we don't have like one specific way to do it for all ad accounts. So that's one of the reasons why we wanted to bring our senior media buying team in. And Angela led that discussion for day two of our three or four days that we were there in London. So we wanted to talk about that here today and also how it relates back to the conversation that I had with some of the marketing science folks at the conference today about AI, and I think this is the cutting-edge stuff that the reason why you tune into this, this show every single week. We actually do this stuff. We test it. We make mistakes. We break stuff. We make things happen. We figure stuff out on the fly because the platform is constantly evolving and constantly changing, and we want to get a standardized way in which to really test ads, test creatives, test audiences and figure out what works and what doesn't work so one of the reasons why we're in london so we put our big brains together all in one room we locked the door we even got like i don't know uber eats takeout like no one was allowed to leave all day yeah and we hashed this thing out so Ange, what sort of came out of that meeting you know after you had moderated it all day with some people (laughs) with some pretty strong beliefs one way or the other of how to do things so what was the outgrowth of that meeting
1: So, yeah, super interesting day in the sense that, you know, everybody had their chance to get across what they thought was their best method of testing things. But when we got all of them out on the white flip charts out on the walls, we realised that they were all very similar and that we could combine them together into kind of one overarching testing what do we call the Chelsea testing protocol (laughs) we still haven't come up with a name yet uh, we're still working on it yeah (laughs) still working on it but um yeah we could combine what our senior team were coming out with and then have kind of three routes through that methodology so yeah super excited to share what we came up with
0: yeah and I think one of the things that came out of that was something that we'll discuss in just a moment which everyone agreed on like almost universally. And that has to do with how we actually run ads in specific groupings. But before we get to that, why don't we get into like how we sort of broke this whole thing down. I know there was a number of different ways. Obviously I was there. Angela was running the whole meeting, but like how should we be testing? How should we be looking at individual campaigns based upon Maybe existing data, no existing data, maybe ads that have been running for a while. How do you test that? Like, what were the big ideas that came out of that meeting that we can tell the folks here on Perpetual Traffic?
1: So there was three main routes that we could take. Uh, routes or routes. not quite sure how to say that here. I like the routes. It sounds routes. routes. Okay, routes. It. Yeah. Yes, cool. So kind of three main routes through it. The first one, which is probably not the simplest, but the, probably the easiest to understand, that's where you're testing different hooks or maybe different landing pages. And when we say hooks, we kind of had a discussion really about how to define the term so that we're all working off the same methodology. Mm-hmm. And when we were talking about what, a a hook was that's really just the overall theme of the ad unit as a whole so what exactly is that ad unit as a whole speaking to for the audience so if we wanted to test different hooks or we wanted to test different landing pages that was the first route through it Mm -hmm. and that's basically you know having at least two ad sets where we would have the same audience and then in the ads in each of those ad sets would be our hook or our different landing pages So that's kind of the simplest one, I think, that we talked about.
0: Got it. So Angela, I should tell you, has the Scottish Aussie (laughs) accent, which is very different than the Boston accent that I've got here, (laughs) which comes out only after I've had a couple of beers. But anyway, so people are familiar with that is a hook. So tell people like what a hook would be or maybe give them sort of an example of this initial really sort of basic testing methodology that we ironed out in London.
1: Sure. So say it was the fitness and wellness space, for example. So the overall hook, hook, hook uh, (laughs) might be the best nutrition for your body. Right. That could be the overall hook. And then a different hook could be your skin will look amazing.
0: Got it. So very different messaging, really. Like that's the overarching message. And then in each one of those hooks, you can then write all kinds of different ad copy based on that hook, right?
1: Yes, correct.
0: So in this testing framework, if we're either testing hooks or testing landing pages, we get to that in a second, how would you ideally structure that? And what were we sort of thinking as far as like the best way to get an initial signal, initial positive signal that, yes, this is a messaging, this is a hook that can potentially resonate with the audiences that we're targeting?
1: So in the example that we were working off, it was working from that we already had some data on the product or on that funnel so whether it was the customer had already been running ads and we had some initial data that we could take from their ad account or that we'd been running some ads and we had a general idea of what was working so that was the kind of premise so we already had an idea of like our cpa or ROAS targets Mm -hmm. and then probably as well you know what kind of cost per ad to car and click-through rate so working off of that premise not a completely new product or funnel
0: right Right. So you've got some data to back it up. You've got some comparison. You've got some benchmarks as to what is good and what is bad.
1: Totally. Yeah. And I mean, you could totally use this for a new one as well. Mm -hmm. It just, you would literally be then using it to say, okay, where am I starting from? What is my starting point? What is my baseline? And then working from there. But assuming that you've already got some data, so what you would want to do is you'd have a campaign and then you'd have at least two ad sets and they would both be different audiences. Mm -hmm. And then in each ad set, you would have between two to eight ads Mm -hmm. with either the same hook Again, same hook, but it could be different ad copy, different headlines, but all around the same hook or two to eight ads going to different landing pages. Ah, right. One of the big things that we've certainly noticed, and
0: I mean, obviously this is a show about paid traffic, but the other side of paid (laughs) traffic is after the click, right? Kind of an important part to the whole sequence here. That we certainly take an active role in advising on and certainly customers that get the best results are constantly testing everything that is after the click because, hey, that's what 50% or more of the effectiveness of your ad. So totally, certainly something to be testing. We found this you know to be the case especially with some of our higher volume advertisers who have gotten traction very quickly is that they're constantly testing different iterations of their landing pages sales pages wherever they're directing their traffic super important so at a base level you're either testing in this case this is two different audiences with 2 to 8 different hooks or 2 to 8 different landing pages so break it down to people like specifically like on a on a campaign level how they would kind of structure that
1: so you could obviously use cbo or ad set mm-hmm. uh, i think it's easier to kind of understand if you're using an ad set budget because then you know you can set the same budget for each ad set right. so you could also run it as a split test campaign but i think that's kind of over complicating it mm-hmm. but the easiest way to do it an ad set budget campaign have minimum two ad sets both with two different audiences and then in each ad set you would have the same ads so Mm. you're running exactly the same ads so you're basically figuring out what hooks are working best and also what audience are they resonating with because obviously you might have a hook that resonates with one audience but it doesn't with another audience so I guess the simplest form would be like a campaign and okay this campaign I'm going to test this hook and then I'm going to test it with different audiences or I'm going to test different hooks and I'm going to test them with the same audience. So that's two different ways you could do it. Yeah.
0: As you can see, there's lots of different variations of this. And this is actually one of the conversations that we had with the marketing science team here today, is that how do you actually test this in isolation, especially if maybe you are using those audiences in other campaigns? Are you dirtying the pool? Are you really getting a pure test? I mean, for the purists out there and... Both you and I obviously came from a medical background, so we understand yeah. like the value of data and p values and all these other sorts of things. This is a quick and dirty way of testing in my opinion totally
1: it is and and I think as well just obviously with Facebook, you will never get definites, yeah. like there are rarely definites in Facebook, unless you get a managed conversion lift campaign managed through Facebook, which we have done, and we get, you know, great results out of it. But that's not available for everybody. You know, it's not an option for everybody to do that. So I think the key thing as well that I didn't mention before is be super clear on your goal Mm. at the beginning. So really, what are you wanting to test? Be super clear on that. And then it makes it so much simpler to lay out the format of the campaign ad set and ads.
0: Right. So, in this case, it could be either, all right, I want to find out what different hooks work for these audiences that I know I've probably gotten conversions from in the past. How can I potentially expand those audiences? So, let's say you have a lookalike off, you know, last 30 days' purchases, 1%, just for an example. And all Mm -hmm. of a sudden that ad set or that audience starts to kind of peter out. Well, it's probably the result, I mean, it could be seasonality, it could be a lot of different factors that go along with it, all things being equal. You want to hit a different portion of that market, of that 2 million people or however big your, your audience is with a different message. So if you're hitting them all with the same message, maybe, and we're going to get to how we actually do that in a constructive mm-hmm. way next, but you want to be able to expand that market and you expand that market by bringing to bear different messages or different hooks for your particular product or service. Some messages will resonate with some people. Some messages will resonate with other people. So that's sort of the theory behind this is that you you want to be able to test out these different hooks, messages, and their ad copy, image, video manifestations of that message to be able to expand and scale. I mean, there's a lot of complexity to this because, for example, let's say you are going after... A market in the health and wellness niche, just an easy one. And you know, all your ads have the hook of just being really simple, losing weight. Okay. Maybe you have two to six ads in that ad set. They're all hitting on various types of or incarnations of that hook about how the product helps them lose weight. Well if you throw in a new ad into that ad set that maybe talks about, well, this actually helps increase energy. Well, that messaging is different than the lose weight messaging, but all the other ads that have been running in that ad set are all now gearing kind of circling the wagons around the lose weight segment of that market. If you add in a new ad into that ad set that has a different message, you you might find that it won't resonate in that ad set because all the ads and all the ads in the ad set have been geared towards a different segment of the market and it won't ever get the light of day. It won't ever actually see or expand into that area of your audience where they lose weight messaging isn't resonating and maybe gaining energy is. So the point is, is that if you try to just throw in an ad into an ad set and say, oh, well, that didn't work, chances are, It didn't work because of the history of the ad set. The point is is that when you're testing these sorts of things, you have to test them sort of outside of what you're normally doing, what you're normally doing in your regular campaigns, and as much as possible, keep your data clean. And I think we you know, have had that as a challenge. And I know Facebook has that as a challenge right now. And they even say, yeah, we do have ways of testing, but we don't have a true SOP, a true step-by-step methodology that everyone should use that's universal to all ad accounts.
1: Yeah, for sure. And, you know, it has been a big issue for us, you know, like, do we just put them into the campaigns that we're running and then continue to scale? Or or do we want to be more intentional around these testing campaigns? And the overall agreement that we came to in London is we really need them to be separate campaigns, because that's where we really find out for sure, as for sure as you can be on Facebook, what's going to work and what's not going to work.
0: Right. So I think, you know, more to come on testing methodology, So cool. So that's one of the learnings that we made. We actually created a couple of different testing methodologies that we're using right now in this sort of sandbox style campaign. A number of the media buyers inside tier 11 are testing it and certainly give it go on your end. If you're still confused or looking for a very specific way to test new messaging, test new audiences, test new ad copy hooks, creative, even landing pages, I think there's a framework that's coming out of this that's going to be really solid. It's never going to be perfect, however. The data is never going to be perfect. Unless you actually start a whole new ad account for a testing ad account, which is what the data science actually said today, you could actually do that. Yeah. Which is sort of interesting. I was like, Hmm, that's actually an idea, but I don't think we want to go down that route right now. It's just, it's fraught with all kinds of other difficulties. So more on that in future episodes in this segment of what's happening now with tier 11. And I'm sure we'll come back with more findings on that in future episodes. But one of the biggest things that came out of this meeting was what I referred to in the initial part of today's episode, which is how we actually group our ads together. And this was a universal thing that everyone, all the media buyers agreed to. So maybe, Angie, you can talk a little bit more about that and what that big aha moment
1: was. Yeah, totally. So ad grouping is what we're calling it. And that's basically having a group of ads that you would put into an ad set together and it's that group of ads that are working synergistically together as opposed to here's this one ad that is amazing and is getting me all the ROAS. So a little bit of a backstory on kind of where this comes from. One of our media buyers Jenny, she had ads running and getting good ROAS. And she then was switching off ads that were getting spend, but not getting that greater ROAS. And what she found is when she was doing that, that the whole ad set, the whole performance went down. So this carried on. And then when it came into London, uh, Sarah, one of our newer media buyers, she joined us this year. Her whole protocol that she Brought to the table in London was around how to find new ad groups. So that obviously initiated a wider discussion around okay, what are we seeing in diff- various ad accounts across the agency? Is it groups of ads that are making the difference, or is it these individual ads that are getting us the best performance? And across the board, we all agreed when we actually delved into some of the data that it was the ad groupings. And it kind of makes sense when you think about it, it incorporates, you know, the breakdown effect, which is something that, you know, we hear a lot about from Facebook. And that is where an ad might not look like it's getting good performance, but in reality, it's working in the background to help nurture people. People might be seeing one ad, not converting on that ad, but seeing another ad and converting there. So it makes sense that you want to have other ads in there that are helping. However, the problem as advertisers is that we can't see that back-end data and our initial instinct, and especially if you're running ads for a customer and the customer's going, why are you leaving this ad running when it's not getting performance? Your natural instinct is to switch it off. But in reality, what we're seeing is that by keeping on the underperformers. We'll call them underperformers, but in the background they're actually performers and they're helping the real performers perform even better. There's a lot of performers in there, isn't there? (laughs) That's a lot (laughs) a lot of performers. A lot of performers. -performers,
0: Overperformers, underperformers, and so just some there's some average performers in there too. So don't those guys. Yeah.
1: But then the challenge is finding out, okay, well, which ones are contributing to the overall good performance and which ones aren't. And then this is where we now have this methodology we're already implementing in a couple of accounts in the agency. It's how do we find new ad groups? So we're specifically looking for four to eight ads that we would then place together into an ad set. And that is what we're going to be running. And that is what we are hoping is going to give us the best performance.
0: All right, so tell me about these ad groupings here. So, are they different messaging? Are they all the same ad type? What's the configuration? What's sort of the average as you're looking into some of the Tier 11 accounts? Like, what can you tell
1: the audience? So, the main thing we're seeing with the ad grouping is having different ad types. So, as an absolute minimum, having an image and a video in every ad set. And and that's kind of like the bare minimum that we would want. The main reason for that is often, well, the two main reasons. One is that a lot of people, when they're not on Wi-Fi, they have their settings in Facebook set to not play video. So if you're only running a video, you're missing out on a whole heap of people that might not be have Wi-Fi connection. Also, different demographics like to interact with images and videos differently. So if you have only images, then you're pretend, well, you are missing out on people who like to watch videos and interact with videos. I think the image in the video one is to us, that's kind of like the baseline. That's what we would always need to have. However, having a carousel in there seems to be another big factor in it so an image a video and a carousel is an absolute minimum in every ad set and then of course there's other ad types like you know instant experience and then you know you can go into long and short video of course and, and different lengths and different shapes sizes of images but yeah image and video definitely and preferably also a carousel in there and then always just always having that in every ad set that you set live
0: got it so at minimum images and video Obviously, carousel sort of secondary, but uh, encouraged.
1: (laughs) Yes, highly encouraged. (laughs) Highly
0: encouraged. How about messaging and ad copy? Can it be all the same messaging? Can it be different types of messaging? By messaging, I mean hook.
1: Hook, yep. And again, this is where it comes down to like how much data do you already have in that account? If you are pretty sure of the hooks that are, are working, then go with the same hooks. But just, you know, obviously we'd have to modify them generally. They add copy for video versus image. Modified slightly is fine, all around the same hook but what we're also testing right now is having different messaging in that ad grouping so again having your combination of ad types and then within those ad types you've got different messaging and different hooks and again this methodology that we're talking about here with the ad grouping is based on having previous data so we have a a general baseline of what's working and what's not and then we're having a clear goal okay what else do we want to test in this account what else do we need to know and then we're putting those ad grouping together based on the clear goal and the previous data
0: got it so on average so if we sort of use a couple of images a couple of videos at bare minimum with the carousel yep. highly encouraged um yes like how many ads typically we're, we're looking at probably what between two and eight two and ten in that range what's your recommendation yeah. for people to keep it simple
1: so our recommendations on the ad grouping was four to eight mm-hmm And because we're assuming that we have previous data, we're actually putting two control ads in that grouping. So when we say control ads, two ads that you know already work well. Mm -hmm. And we're putting that in the grouping then with two to six new ads. And when we say new ads, new combinations. So it could be a video that you already had running, but you're running it with different hook, different headline, different copy.
0: Got it. So variation and the size that I'm looking yes. inside one of the ad accounts here yep. uh that's managed by Sarah and you know this is a really large audience i mean you have to obviously have the audience size to go along with it i'm looking at an 8 million person audience like this is yep. a and this is a particular product which is a direct to consumer product it's a physical product i always forget like the acronym that everybody uses for that like boxed consumer boxed goods cbg isn't that yeah, it or there's, something there's, like, there's, i don't know somebody was
1: fm su- fast moving cons- <laughs> fmcg as well fast moving consumer good is that one of those <laughs> i feel so unhip by
0: not knowing all the cool little so unhip. i know but anyway <laughs> be that as it may we're not a very hip podcast but the point is is that this is a broad reaching this is a mass market a mass appeal type of product And perfect for this kind of thing. I mean, I'm not saying this can't work for niche products as well. But we're looking at very large, you know, ad set audiences here. One of them is 8 million people. Do you need something that big? Can you do it with smaller sizes? What's your sense?
1: You can totally do it with smaller sizes uh, for sure, but I think it's just obviously worth remembering that the Facebook algorithm is getting so much smarter and it's able, even with broader audiences, it it seems to be much more capable of picking out the people that are most likely to convert. So don't be put off by this sounding super complicated. You make it as complicated as you want to make it and, and just being super clear on what you want to get out of it, that is going to simplify everything. I think you know, it's the mistake a lot of people make is they don't get super clear at the start of what they want to discover right. at the end.
0: Right. And I mean, from just a logical perspective, if I am targeting 8 million people for my product, I can't possibly imagine or I can't imagine a scenario when every one of those people or you're not going to get to all 8 million, but let's say that you do, okay, yeah. <laughs> that all 8 million have the same emotional triggers to buy your product. Like, they all respond to different messaging. They all respond to videos and images and carousels differently. And, you know, from what we hear from our partner manager, this is going to become even more and more dynamic as time goes on where Facebook is able to sort of dynamically change the ad that they show in front of these people if they have a propensity to click on carousel ads versus video ads. I mean, we're sort of forcing that right now. But the point is, is with an audience of 8 million people or 2 million or 1 million Mm-hmm. Each one of those is an individual person with likes, beliefs, dislikes, tastes—you know—tendencies that are different. And yeah. if you're doing a one-size-fits-all, thinking that—and we used to do this way back when with the Michigan method—is we would test with, you know, one image, one ad copy, one headline per ad set per audience. It was a good way of testing. But like, if you're still running your ads like that, like you have one ad. In your ad set, and you're targeting that audience, you're quickly going to run through that whole audience. You need other ways in which to reach them, other modalities, other ad types, video, image, carousel. You know, if you can do instant experience, if you can do collection ads, you know, all these sorts of things are going to factor. Different lengths of video. Facebook is constantly pushing us for 15 second video. I'm like, all right, already, we get it. (laughs) Some people are going to respond to that, but a lot of people aren't, you know? So if you have a, you know, a three-minute video and a 15-second video in your ad grouping, and the three-minute video isn't creating the conversions, but your ad set as a whole is well within your goal, then keep that three-minute video going. And I think that was like a big learning that came out of London. I think we've all sort of known that for a while, but it was cool to see all the media buyers coming together with a consensus saying, yeah, this is what we're seeing in our ad accounts for high performance and for scale.
1: Yep, totally. And I think it's also involves an education as well. Sometimes if you are running ads for a customer, just that education around where to look at the results and allowing the algorithm the space to find the performance for that ad set as a whole. You know, that's really what the ad grouping testing comes down to is allowing it to do its thing Mm -hmm. and looking at the results at the ad set level as opposed to going super nitty gritty into the ad level and then making decisions that are probably going to affect the overall performance.
0: Yeah, but having said that, it's always your money or it's your customer's money if you're an agency or consultant. So you've got to watch the store. There is no such thing. Unfortunately, as set it and forget it yet on Facebook, we've tested lots of third party platforms. In fact, we just tested yet another one where they're like, hey, just let us do it all and you guys don't have to touch it and we'll get you better results. Well, between the three groupings, the one where we left it completely alone, we left the third party to do all the optimization, and then we had the one which was the touchy one. What did Deacon call touchy. it? The touchy yeah, it was one.
1: Yeah, it was the touchy no touchy test. <laughs>
0: the touchy no touchy. So we had one, <laughs> you know, one arm which was no touch, one which was touch, which we messed with it. Our media buyer actually fiddled with it and optimized it. You know, put, turn stuff on, put stuff back on, and then we had the third party vendor actually running all the ads in the other arm. The one that won out of all three was which one?
1: Angel the touchy touchy touchy
0: our touchy our touchy, our touchy. so <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if somebody like just listened to that part of this show and <laughs> doesn't know what context it is, it'd be sort of weird, but anyway, the point is is that we might get a uh inappropriate rating on this show just for that itself, but that's beside <laughs> the point. forget it. uh we can just start swearing now, Angela, just to really yeah, let's do really, it <laughs> really stick it to iTunes. The point is is that yeah, it's not a set it and forget it platform yet, guys. And we did test this and yeah. thank God our media buyers, and in this case, you know, the media buyers that were on this account, like know what they're doing. So you do have to keep your eye on the store. So, for example, getting back to my point, I was a very circular way of getting to it. <laughs> if you do have two to eight ads live, okay, and this is your ad grouping but then all of a sudden, one of those ads, which is getting the lion's share of the impressions, the lion's share of the conversions, all of a sudden starts to go out of whack. And it's way out of your KPI, whether it's return on ad spend or whether it's CPA. What do you do then?
1: Yeah, great question. And I think we're still you know, debating that as a team. But generally, if you can look at the results at the ad set level, mm-hmm. and we've actually had this happen with uh, Victoria, one of our senior media buyers, she was switching stuff off because she was like, oh, I can't lie, it, it's getting all the impressions, it's getting all the engagements, I'm switching it off. She then did actually tested it, she did a split test where she let it go and over the course of, I think it was 14 days, the one where she let it go, mm-hmm. again, within certain reasons, I mean... It depends on your budget, it depends on your CPA but you need to have set, you know, you need to know how far you can go, like in terms of spend. You don't want to spend $2,000 on a of CPA of $5 because then you're going to get into serious trouble, I would imagine, with your customer. But yeah, just looking at it at the ad set level and just allowing it the space, you know, don't be looking at it. I had that discussion today about not looking at one day results. For some customers that are on high spend, we have been doing that, you know, just using it as a gauge. And we're like, maybe we need to be going out to three days and looking at those three day metrics because it's just giving it the algorithm longer just to optimize.
0: Yeah, it's the hardest thing in the world to do. And I, you know, I led that question with a leading question, like, oh, it's obvious. You just shut it off. Well, do you?
1: Yeah, it's not obvious. It's not obvious. (laughs) So
0: if you can look at things at the ad set level, going back to the way that Facebook really does want you to look at things like they want you to, you know, for campaign budget optimization, we hear this all the time. Don't look at the ads. Don't look at the ad sets. Just look at what your CPA is on the campaign level. Well, yeah. we can't help it. We're going to go in and look at the ad set. We're going to go look at the ad. Is that detrimental to us? You know, it could be in some cases, but in other cases, stuff sometimes just goes sidewards and never recovers.
1: Correct. And you know, like if one ad's getting all the spend, but overall, you know, the ad set is not getting any conversions, then switch it off, switch yeah. it off and rethink it. Yeah. Uh, however, if one is getting a lot of the spend, but there are other ones that are producing conversions, this is then really consider, is this an ad group scenario here? Do I have a scenario where I could take that, what I've currently got, and then maybe try some different ads in that group and see if I can make it better as a group?
0: Yeah. So the bottom line here is it's your money. So you've got to be mindful of it. But Mm -hmm. there's this fine line between, and I'm air quoting this one, and let the algorithm do the work and you maintaining the ad account. And we've certainly seen that. If anyone's seen any of the tier eleven ads, when they came out of the gate, they looked pretty awful. And we waited, Mm -hmm. you know, three to five days, and all of a sudden they started to optimize, and all our CPAs came down. The hardest thing to do, and the media buyer that's on that account with me, I said, just let it go. And it actually did work. It came back to the point where now it's under CPA and it's getting the results that we're looking for, which is great. But those three to five days were really hard to wait. And Mm -hmm. it was easier for me because it was my money or our money at tier 11. But if it was a customer account, I would have been like, oh, I would have had my finger like over the trigger of my, you know, on my mouse, like waiting, ready, willing, and able to shut off the ad sets. And if I did that, I wouldn't have been able to get the results that we're now getting, which are really good results because we did wait it out. So yeah. it's hard to know what that balance is. And I think that's one of the hardest things when it comes to Facebook ads management, isn't it?
1: Oh, it really is. And it's something that every single one of us struggles with. I have one-on-ones with with all the media buyers every week and that's often a topic of the conversation is, do I switch this off or do I let it go? And then we dive into the data and then we just make our educated decision.
0: Yeah. You know, as I look into some of these ad accounts right now, I mean, I see some very, very high volume ads that have done well historically in the last 30 days, but really kind of went sideways in the last few days and the media buyer shut them off. So yeah. I wonder if that was the right move. And these mm-hmm. are some of our senior media buyers. So the point is, is that this is what makes this job really, really hard. I don't yeah. know as if that we're providing the answer here, but at least we're empathizing with your struggles if you're yeah. an ads manager every day, because we're dealing with it as well at a pretty massive amount of spend and some pretty, um, you know, some high volume and and high visibility customers and consumer brands that you probably know. Uh, yeah. Like trust, and maybe have even bought through our ads. Who knows? Hopefully, yeah, hopefully. <laughs> if you do see them, just make sure that you do buy once you click on yes, it. Yes, definitely. So, well, this has been awesome, and I really think that this has got to be a new segment here on Perpetual Traffic where we talk about like what's really working inside Tier Eleven. Obviously, I talk about it every single week, but you know, having you on here, Ange, has been great and giving those insights. And yeah, this Scottish Aussie. <laughs> uh combo accent, I think, is a good foil to the Boston, the South Boston accent. So I, I'm like, I think, yeah, yeah,
1: me too. And I'm in the US at the moment, and I've actually been asked three times if I'm Australian, <laughs> and I'm like, really? Oh I my sound God. Australian. So, uh, and I actually heard someone say she's more Australian than she thinks she is.
0: (laughs) That is too funny. Don't tell. Don't tell your parents when you see them. No, I won't.
1: I won't. So, yeah, Yeah. let 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 us know if you think I sound uh, Scottish or Aussie. We call it scuzzy, right? Scuzzy. Scuzzy. Yes, scuzzy. Scuzzy. I got my sister to thank for that term. (laughs) That's awesome.
0: All right. Well, this has been uh, episode two hundred and twenty-four of the Perpetual Traffic podcast. Uh, We didn't mention too many resources here, but I'm sure we'll be able to dig some out on breakdown effect and a couple of the other concepts that we discussed here on the show. Make sure you do go to digitalmarketer.com forward slash podcast. This has been episode 224. Angela Ponsford, it has been a pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on.
1: Thank you, Ralph.
0: And until next week, see ya.
1: Bye.